All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 14 of the Biohacker Babes. Today we are talking all about alcohol. So whether we should be drinking or not, that is the big question. Ooh, big topic. Here we go. For anyone that's new, uh, my name is Renee, so I'll be kicking off the show today. So let's go ahead and dive into what this is. So we're really talking about whether or not alcohol can be a part of a healthy diet. I feel like this is a constant debate. You know, one day on the news, they're saying, drink a bottle of wine a day, you'll live longer. But then the next day, it's like, avoid alcohol at all costs because it causes cancer. You know, so like everyone is always so confused about this topic. I think almost more confused than about basic nutrition. Like it's just a constant battle. 
So today we're going to talk about like the many factors that you really need to take into consideration when assessing whether you should drink, if you're going to drink, how much, how often, and then what type of alcohol. So there's so many factors that we're going to really get deep into today. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. You say that it's more confusing than nutrition. Um, this, this is Lauren here. Um, alcohol really is pretty confusing, but I think people sort of push it aside because it's really fun. It makes us feel good. And it's easier to ignore it as the reason to why maybe we're not getting our gains in the gym or losing weight or having fatigue. People push it aside because it's it's a fun thing. And I think people want to include it in their lives no matter what, for the most part. So it's easier to sort of blame nutrition and food and we're not really looking at what alcohol is doing to our body. But I agree, there's a, a huge debate about whether or not it is good or not. And I'm not gonna say that we will have an answer for you by the end of this episode, but we're gonna hopefully go into some of the science behind it and at least open up the conversations. So you have more awareness regarding what's happening to your body when you're drinking. Yeah, I think just having more knowledge and education about the topic is helpful. And and something to remember is I think the alcohol industry spends I don't know, millions or billions of dollars I don't know, on their marketing every year. And James Swanwick has talked about this a lot. He's like, look at the commercials. They have convinced us that when you get a new job, you celebrate with champagne. When you watch football, you drink a beer. When you go out to a club, you drink tequila. Like they've ingrained this in us just from watching all these commercials. Um, yeah. and, and they've probably funded some of the studies that say it's really good for you, right? I mean, we know how that works, so. <laughs> probably, yeah. Just in preparing for this episode, I know we were both like really going through all the research, trying to comb through it, and it's overwhelming. It's just there's so much information out there and it's so difficult to sort of weed out the uh, sort of the intentions or the purpose of a lot of these studies because I think people want a certain outcome. So it's, it was really difficult to even figure out the factors that were included in, in the way that these studies were run. So uh, a lot of it is inconclusive, the research, because there are so many different reasons why people are studying alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I think what we really want to know here, we always kick this off with how it makes you hotter or how it makes you less hot. Like beer goggles. No. Yeah. Let's put on our beer goggles. <laughs> no matter what, alcohol does contain toxic substances. And especially in this country, uh, Renee, you pointed this out to me, just like the United States has ruined our food supply, they have ruined our alcohol supply. So it is more toxic than drinking elsewhere in the world. You're not always getting the pure possible benefits from alcohol. There is a lot of shit that is added to our alcohol products in this country, and it's making your body work harder. So you have to metabolize this. You have to detoxify this. It's just like any food. like It has to be uh, digested and metabolized in your body and then eliminated, right? So with the alcohol, no matter what, there's just the basic elements of the alcohol, good or bad, but then there's all this other crap added. So your body is working really, really hard to get rid of it. So if we're looking at how it makes you hotter, this is adding stress to your body and anything that's adding stress and making your body work harder is going to age you. Renee, you want to jump in? Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about, I mean, usually when we're talking about detoxifying alcohol, we're just talking about the ethanol, right? That's like 
traditionally in alcohol, but now in the U.S. we're having to detoxify, you know, the yeast, the mold, the sulfates, the artificial flavoring, like even all those like crazy flavored vodkas and stuff. You have to wonder what kind of chemicals they're putting in there. Like that's not the same vodka that, you know, maybe Russians, you know, made as their original vodka. It's not the same thing anymore. It's so, um, it's just ruined, unfortunately. Yeah. If our vodka can taste like whipped cream, like how many ingredients are going into it to make it taste like that? They're not putting whipped yeah. cream in there. <laughs> the whipped cream is crap anyways. But it's just right. like when you see on food labels, when you see natural flavors, that can mean that there are hundreds of ingredients that go into that very general ingredient, natural flavors. And it's the same with alcohol. So there's so much that's going into it that you're not seeing on the label. Very true. So ethanol is the intoxicating agent in alcohol, and that's produced by fermentation of yeast, sugar, starches. So that is the very basic element in alcohol. And then as Renee said, we have all this other stuff. Okay. So second point here about why it makes you hotter or not as hot. Alcohol is very dehydrating for your body, especially your skin, which is going to affect your appearance. And I think we can all spot those people that drink too, way too much. We see it on their skin immediately. Maybe their skin is really red. Um, yeah, you're just, you're going to see it on someone's face. Definitely. Also it depletes iron, which can cause dark circles under your eyes. So immediately just the dehydration and depletion of iron is going to show up on your face, which is just not cute. So even though it's wreaking havoc on your insides, which is a whole nother conversation, it is definitely, definitely manifesting on the outside of your body for sure. And this is an endless conversation uh, about all of the effects that alcohol is in your body, but we know these for sure. Yeah, um, I don't think people could really argue that. Like, has anyone woken up hungover and looked in the mirror and thought, wow, I look great today? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna say definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. Yeah. Like, you feel like crap, you look like crap. Yeah, it doesn't end well. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever woken up and had to, like, be on camera or take photos or appear somewhere, you're probably the night before going to go, I'm not going to drink. Like we all inherently know that if you need to look your best, right. you're probably not going to drink. Before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think is a good transition into celebrities that don't drink. I like, I think this is so interesting again with all the marketing TV makes us think everyone drinks and parties, but like there's a huge movement of people that don't drink at all. Like I'm not just talking about in moderation, like they literally don't drink anything. And some of the celebrities that we all know and follow that don't drink are um, Blake Lively, Bradley Cooper, uh, Jennifer Lopez, like, oh my gosh, her skin, does it not just glow? And she's, I think in her, is she 50 now? She's, yeah. Yeah. And she looks incredible. Her skin, I, I'm so jealous. So yeah, even with all. celebrity makeup artists, the best makeup in the world, I think can't hide a uh, bad skin or, or a bad appearance. And I think she- Right. Really I mean, I'm sure that, yeah, that always helps, but like you can just tell she, she has aged well. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Kristen Davis and then David Beckham. Mm, yes. He does not drink. I think that probably helps overall with like your, his athletic performance too, right? Definitely. Some, just something interesting to think about. Yeah. So, so there's this, you talked about this movement with celebrities, like a, a sober movement sort of catching on. I mean, they're all doing so much. I think we all just assume that celebrities just pay for their beauty. And I mean, there's so much available in Hollywood from plastic surgery to the best makeup artists, like they can sort of pay to fix everything. But it's interesting that maybe there's this 
the genuine anti-aging movement where they're starting to remove those toxic substances or all eating. I mean, celebrities are, are pretty healthy, I think. Like, yeah, they're, they have they're the ones know, they're that are chefs and eat well all day, yeah. and work out every day. Yeah. Eating all the organic food. They're all paleo. I mean, I'm not saying by and large, <laughs> but, um, and the money does afford them the, the opportunity to do that stuff, but it's interesting. They're not just paying for this stuff to go away. They're actually doing the right foundational things to support their nutrition and health. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that movement, the sober movement, I have heard that there's going to be more of these bars opening up around the U.S. where they don't serve alcohol and they're going to serve more like herbal tonics and stuff. Actually, I think there's one in New York. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I haven't been. It's on my, my list of things to do. Yeah, I think you just that's have to so get the cool. right group of friends together that are interested in going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just go by yourself. I yeah. just, well, I one, I have to cool. convince friends to get out of Midtown because I think it's downtown. But second, oh, okay, convince okay. them to uh, engage in adaptogenic herbs for their yeah. nightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if that will ever come to Vegas. I don't know. Maybe in the suburbs. It will. It will. It definitely okay. will. But okay. uh, slowly and for special populations. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's cool to give people the opportunity to still go out and be in that social environment without feeling that peer pressure to, to drink. Anyways. Mm -hmm. So there, like we've said, there's a lot of debate and controversy over this topic, right? We're always hearing more studies and it's kind of confusing. Some of the research has shown that it can actually decrease cardiovascular risk or decrease risk for diabetes. But we also see more research showing that females have more issues with this. Yeah, when you look at scientific studies, especially on, on PubMed, there is so much research that says low to moderate drinking actually has a positive effect on a lot of these health biomarkers, which is really interesting. And it was difficult for us to find out exactly why, like what biochemical reactions are actually helping to support these processes. Um, so that seems a little inconclusive. I would say that low to moderate drinking can have a positive effect on some of these markers, especially like uh, life expectancy. I mean, people can take it for stress relief. And then, you know, these things like cardiovascular risk, diabetes, cholesterol, fatty lipids, there are positive effects, but I wouldn't say that that is a reason to drink. I would say it's just a reason to not drink too much. So for the people that are reading these studies that say, you know, the, the flavonoids or the resveratrol and wine, that's not a, a reason to drink it if you don't want to drink it. But I think in moderation, considering your genetics, if you respond well to it, it is probably going to be okay. But we'll get into like uh, the personal genetics a little bit later. But it's definitely worse for females than men. I'm sorry. Definitely something to... Uh, to pay attention to. Their their research does show that females, I don't know if that's a a diabetes risk because our blood sugar is more sensitive, but the research across the board shows- Or maybe it's the estrogen issue. Yeah, it definitely has terrible hormonal and estrogenic effects. Yeah, Yeah. that could make sense as to why that is. Yeah, and like you said about the resveratrol, don't, don't prescribe yourself a bottle of wine to get that. Like just go buy the supplement if you want yeah. resveratrol. <laughs> it's it's everywhere now. Yeah. You'd have to drink a lot, a lot of wine to get yeah. 
the amount of antioxidants that your body needs. Yeah. And, and speaking of antioxidants, I, as we were preparing for this episode, I was looking at the blue zone regions around the world, which if you're not familiar with those regions, it's where there's a very high population of centenarians. So people that are living to over a hundred. So a lot of research has gone into these communities to see like, what the heck are they doing? Cause they're doing something right. And I know that most of them do drink moderately. So I wanted to dive into this a little bit deeper and find out what's going on there. And I found out that in Sardinia, in Italy, so this is one of the blue zones, they drink a local wine almost every day. They have like one to two drinks a day, but they're always with friends or family socializing and they're always drinking it with food. So that balances mm. blood sugar too. But they found that this local wine has two to three times the amount of the artery scrubbing, scrubbing flavonoids than like regular red wine does. Um, oh, wow. And they said, if you're in the US, like the closest thing you can get to this version of wine would be to buy a dry red wine. That's the closest we're going to get. So they actually found that they have a really low risk of heart attacks in that region. And they think because the wine. I mean, they also walk a lot and a lot of other benefits of the blue zones. But yeah, you're looking at a relatively very healthy lifestyle because they're, they're eating like a paleolithic, uh, non-processed food, getting a lot of sunshine, a lot of activity. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that's an isolated factor, but that is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Three times. Yeah. I mean, they also walk. I mean, they walk, you know, like five miles a day. I mean, that's the other interesting thing is these, these blue zone regions don't have gyms. <laughs> you know, yeah. they just walk everywhere. They yeah. walk or they bike. Yeah, they eat a lot of the Mediterranean diet, olive oil, whole foods. It's definitely a whole um, big picture there. Well, in Sardinia specifically. Not all blue zone regions are Mediterranean. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, I meant Sardinia because yeah. that's Italy. Yeah. No, right. everyone is different, but I think in general, they're eating local to where they are, right? So in Japan, they're maybe eating more seafood, even rice, you know? So it's all local. Yeah. So just another uh, factor to point out that this stuff is not isolated. Okay. So antioxidants, flavonoids, that, that could be part of the benefit of alcohol, but let's jump into some of the negative effects. Let's look at the liver because that's like the number one thing that the people always consider when you're drinking and they're like, oh, my liver. Since alcohol is metabolized in the liver, chronic alcohol consumption can lead to fatty liver disease. And that's because your liver has to work really hard to detoxify. That's very general. And then we look at the brain. This can affect poor memory, depression, anxiety, right? Your brain is a huge organ and controls the rest of your body. And your brain does have to detoxify this as well. And then the heart is also affected. So just because moderate consumption can reduce the risk of heart disease, heavy drinking can increase it. In, in a lot of these studies, there was like a U-shaped result, which means that like at some point, the intake had a, a negative reaction. So up to a certain point, that shows like the, the low to moderate was like increasing positive effects. And at some point, it turns the corner and it goes in the opposite direction. So you have to figure out where on that you or that spectrum you fall in relation to alcohol consumption because just like anything, anything can be a poison. It's the dosage and the amount that sort of determines how much of a poison it can be. And I think that is like the perfect uh, example for alcohol. You have to figure out how much of a poison it is for your own body. A big thing we see with alcohol consumption is cancer. So there's a risk for mouth throat, colon, breast, and liver cancer. That's a lot. So even light consumption up to one drink per day 
is linked to a 20% increased risk of mouth and throat cancer. So we're looking at low consumption here. So that's even more reason to look at your own personal genetics and see how this is affecting your own health. So Renee, questions you should ask yourself so we can give everyone some like biohacking tips here to empower everyone. Yeah. So to really determine, you know, the best plan for you and what moderation really means to you. So number one, like, should you even drink? I think first you have to ask, you know, why do you want to drink? Why are you drinking? Is it just a fun social thing? Or are you trying to suppress anxiety, depression, uh, stress? Like you shouldn't be using it as a band-aid for other issues. So number one, just look at why you're drinking. Make sure that you have a healthy relationship with that. And Same then- as food, right? Right, right. I think, yeah, I mean, this relates to so many things in life. And then next, you want to look at your genes. So if you have done some genetic testing, there's certain genes you can look at just to see, you know, how well does your liver detoxify toxins? How well do you um, process your like B vitamins? Because we know alcohol depletes B vitamins. So if you have a certain genetic mutation there, something to think about. Do you need to up your B vitamins or just give up alcohol altogether? So a lot of genetic factors there. And then the other thing is, what are your health goals and what are your health concerns? Certainly, if you have any health issues right now, you know, if you have something as severe as cancer or heart disease, yeah, I mean, no alcohol, absolutely. But are you trying to increase muscle mass? Are you trying to lose body fat? You know, look at what you're trying to really gain at the moment and and see if alcohol can be a contributor or not to that goal. So it's it's all personal. And like you'll see a lot, you know, when people are training for you know, a triathlon or a physique competition, like they, they cut out alcohol altogether because they know it's not going to help with that. So just, you know, ask yourself a couple of those questions and then about all about moderation, right? How much and how often this is different for everyone. You know, for women, we see less, we say one to two drinks, maybe two to three times a week. That's kind of the standard, but how much do you weigh? You know, that, what's your sex? Like all of those factors are going to change how much you can have. And then how often? Like, I don't know. I meet some people that say they have a drink every day. I don't know that that's ideal. <laughs> I wouldn't do it that often. Yeah. So go, just go back to number one and ask yourself all those questions. And then finally, this thing is so, this part's so interesting to me is what type of alcohol? I get asked this all the time from my clients. And actually, I think, um, Bulletproof did a really good like display of this, and I, I share that with clients a lot. But if we go from worst, the worst to the best, I would say the worst is beer. I'm sorry, my beer drinking friends. It's got like the trifecta All of crap. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so we're talking gluten, wheat, yeast, carbonation, high carbs, mold. Uh, it's 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 all of that. Just um, like the kitchen sink of nasty. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And especially in the US, a lot of it's genetically modified grains. So then you're dealing with the GMOs as well. So it's different than the beer that, you know, maybe we were, our ancestors were drinking hundreds of years ago. It's come a long way. So beer would be the worst. Next up is wine, depending on where you get it. We'll dive into, I think, a little bit more of our hacks for this later in the episode. But Wine, especially in the U.S., can be really problematic because um, the grapes are sprayed a lot with uh, pesticides. So, and this includes glyphosate, which we've talked about in other episodes. So, glyphosate is that um, really nasty GMO pesticide that's causing a lot of gut inflammation and other issues. But the bad news is it's found on organic wines as well. Somehow, the glyphosate is getting into the water supply and it's getting onto the grapes of organic 
vineyards. So just buying organic in the U.S. is not the safest option. Mm. Um, other issues is sugar. So depending on how it's fermented and if they add sugar in at the end, a glass of wine could be like an ice cream sundae. So watch out for the sugar and then mold and then sulfites. I think everyone's aware of the sulfite issue, right? That causes like the, the hangover or the headache the next day. I think people are pretty aware of that. So we'll talk about how to hack your wine later. Mm -hmm. The best option is really going to be your clear liquor. So vodka, gin, tequila, there's so many good options nowadays with like potato based instead of grain based. There's organic. There's even like the caveman vodka which is pretty new. Lauren, do you remember what they make it from? I think it's from grapes, organic grapes. Yeah. The caveman so. vodka. Um, so that's like one step above Tito's even. So even better. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you have to ask yourself is what are you mixing these liquors with? So if you are going to do that, you know, it's kind of like coffee, right? Coffee is not necessarily bad, but it's when we mix it with all the cream and sugar and frappuccino junk. Same thing with your liquor. So if you're adding it to this 600 calorie margarita, yeah, the tequila is no longer a good option. So we always recommend, you know, club soda. I know some people even just use like ice water. They'll just pour it in there. And then fresh lime juice or orange or lemon, whatever kind of citrus you like. Um, we know that the citrus fruits accelerate the breakdown of the alcohol. So it's an extra benefit there. And it tastes really good. One other thing to keep in mind though, the carbonated beverages, including club soda, right? It does increase the absorption of alcohol. So just be aware of that. But overall, at least it's a, you know, zero calorie, zero sugar option. And FYI, tonic water is not the same as club soda. I, I, I'm shocked. A lot of people don't know that tonic water has, I don't learn what do you like 15 grams of sugar in a serving 12 grams. Something yeah. like that. I mean, you can taste it. You drink plain tonic water. I don't know. It makes my mouth pucker because it's so sweet. Yeah. So people don't realize it when they put it in their drink. It sort of sort of goes away a little bit, but right. Yeah, I guess it kind of masks the alcohol. Yeah. But people are like, oh, vodka tonic. It's like no calories, but yeah, it's a ton of sugar. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So watch out for that, for that. So hopefully that kind of helps break that down a little bit more for you guys. Awesome. That was really great, Renee. Yeah, we'll share the the bulletproof infographic because I think that's just as a visual is really clear to see. Yeah, good idea. Okay, so let's talk about the way that alcohol is broken down in your system. So we already introduced ethanol, which is the intoxicating agent in alcohol. It's produced by the fermentation of yeast, sugar, and starches. So that's like the basic element in alcohol. So when you ingest this alcohol, which turns into ethanol, there is like metabolism process that happens, right? So it has to break down to eliminate it from your body. So the ethanol turns into acetaldehyde and that turns into acetic acid, which then breaks down to water and CO2. And a lot of us get hangover symptoms because of the acetaldehyde poisoning. So if you're not able to break down that substance, you're going to feel like crap the next day. And a lot of this has to do with your own genetics. There are um, SNPs and, and enzymes that may be present or not present that affect the way this is broken down. So you need, it's called aldehyde dehydrogenase. So that is the enzyme that helps break down ethanol. And depending on your genes, you could have, um, you could have different alleles or SNPs of this. So a lot of Asian populations actually have inefficient variants, which is why you see a lot of alcohol flushing in that population or populations. 
So you could have an AA, an AG, a GG, but if there is an A allele in that SNP, then you have an inefficient, uh, you have an inefficient variant, which is going to make it much more difficult for you to break this down, which is more likely for you to have hangover symptoms and, you know, all the toxicity related to alcohol. Yeah. I have I a friend that has that. They have AA. Uh, I don't remember which one. I'm not sure, but but one of those. And she, I mean, she can't drink any alcohol at all. Like not even one drink. I just realized what I said. I can't believe I didn't notice this before, but the AA. <laughs> oh, snip. Oh, that's kind of. <laughs> if you have the AA snip, maybe you shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> Go to um, AA. Yes. Yeah. So you can find that out uh, through 23andMe, DNA Fit. I found my specific gene on Rhonda Patrick's site, found my fitness. Uh, I actually was sort of surprised that, so the GG means that I actually don't have an inefficient metabolism. So I can process alcohol, but for some reason, I don't really feel great if I have more than two drinks. Like it, it really depends like how hydrated I am, what I've eaten. But um, yeah, I was surprised that I had GG. Anyways, okay, so that is why your body experiences a hangover. So we can look at supplements and food to help us with this breakdown. But again, first and foremost, moderation and looking at the quality of your alcohol is really going to help. But once you have done that, once you've done the foundational factors, if you need additional support, you can look to supplements, right? Because supplements are supplementing our body's processes to take care of this stuff. So There are a lot of things you can take and it may be a little overwhelming. So I think at the end, we'll sort of help you through which ones are maybe the most helpful or have been the most helpful to us. To help this process before you start drinking, it is helpful to take vitamin B1 and ALA, which is alpha lipoic acid, glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, milk thistle and fenugreek, which help the liver detoxify, And then if we're looking at foods, meat and egg yolks, which are really high in amino acids can help, but also I think just eating something in general, especially with fat to, um, to help your body with the blood sugar regulation is really helpful. While you're drinking, it's helpful to have vitamin C and NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, ginseng, which is going to accelerate the exit of acetaldehyde and then water, obviously, right? Everyone talks about drinking water before between after drinks, it really does help with that uh, hydration factor. I really think you can't drink enough water, honestly. And then after you are done drinking, a vitamin B complex is really helpful. Electrolytes to help with hydration again. And if we're looking at foods, ginger is really helpful. And this is kind of random, but broccoli actually, because of the sulforaphane, which will also help eliminate those toxic Byproducts. So I don't know how many of you crave broccoli at the end of a night of drinking, but <laughs> it can be helpful. And then oh, a funny, a funny vegetable story. When uh, uh, of course you do. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college, oh my gosh, my husband's gonna love this. When we first started dating, I guess we went out to a bar and we came back to my apartment and we were really hungry. And I don't know, being like a college student that was horrible grocery shopping, I opened my fridge to see what I had. I literally had a bag of sugar snap peas. That was all I had in my fridge. And so we're like, well, we're hungry. And we ate the whole bag of sugar snap peas. I was like, that maybe is like the healthiest, like post-drinking thing you can eat. I'm (laughs) going to say you were one of a kind. (laughs) Yeah. And I will like never forget that. It was so funny. 
Um, How did you feel the next day? I, I don't remember. I don't think I was aware of anything then. You know, I wasn't really <laughs> biohacking. It was an accident. Oh, <laughs> I wanted you to say you woke up and you just like had perfect skin. Your eyes were, were wide and open. <laughs> Let's go with that. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, so maybe broccoli over the sugar scent peas, but how refreshing. Yeah. And asparagus <laughs> I've heard too, right? Because of the asparagine. I think asparagus is good. Yeah, it helps break nights. down. Okay, and then one more thing. Before bed, charcoal is really helpful. We've talked about charcoal on the podcast before. This is going to help bind and eliminate the toxic byproducts. So it sort of just like pulls everything together in one neat little package and it will help shuttle it out of your body. But again, to know charcoal pulls good things out of your body as well. So this is only like in emergency circumstances, like drinking too much. So before, head, uh, before bed, charcoal. Right. So, so you just want to take it away from the other stuff, right? Like at least yeah. twice, 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Great. So you're not wasting it. Yeah. So there's a lot of like hangover helpers out there, different like cocktails, liquid, tablets, multivitamins. There's definitely a lot of crap out there. So read ingredient labels because you don't want to put more toxic byproducts into your body when all you're trying to do is eliminate the toxins. So I think like at your general like gas station or 7-Eleven, if you see like a hangover helper at the counter, it probably is going to make you worse off, I would say. So there's a couple on the market, Drink Smart and Drink Well have a lot of these helpful compounds in it. I think um, the jury is still out on whether or not you should take it all in one. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I've taken those and I think it helps. I'm sorry to say it is more helpful to take all of these in due order because of the process and the way that things happen. They have to happen in order. So that's why like the uh, the B vitamins, the glutathione mix, milk, this will have to happen before you drink, uh, the vitamin C, NSE during, and then you know, the electrolytes, charcoal after. You could try one of these multis. I think Drink Smart and Drink Well have pretty good ingredients, but I think by and large, if you're getting a multi, you may not be getting the best quality of each compound. So do your own research, but I think those two are probably the best in the market if you are going to take these all in one. And the recommendation is to take these after you finish drinking. So again, you're not getting the correct order of process, but at least you're getting something. So I think if it works for you, it's better than nothing because who's going to carry around all of these supplements? I don't know if you've done that, Renee, but like that just creates even more stress. I'm not going to keep a, a pocket full of vitamin C, NIC, ginseng in my pocket. And yeah, I'm probably like, just not going to remember to do any of that. You could uh, just like wear like a trench coat out to the bar and like you open it up and like on one side you have your B vitamins and electrolytes and the other side you have your charcoal. <laughs> Yeah, that's one version of a drug pressure. You could really save some people. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That would that would be so necessary in Vegas. I think I have a new business idea. (laughs) Or maybe like a Halloween costume. Maybe I'll do that this year. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, the hangover helper, doctor. (laughs) So we'll pick out like our favorite hacks at the end, but that's sort of like the slew of supplements that is going to help your body detoxify if you've had a night of like really crappy quality alcohol overconsumption, and you just like have not done the right things. So personal experience, Renee, tell us what you've learned, any advice you want to share. Yeah. I, I think I shared a lot of this in our last episode, all about the aura ring. So 
If you have not listened to that, go back and check that out. But I've been more aware in the last year while wearing the ring, how sensitive I am to alcohol. So I see, you know, I get less, less deep sleep, especially early in the night. Um, I'll see these like spikes of um, being awake, like early in the night, which like, I never have. But after alcohol, even though I think because alcohol kind of have that has that like amnesic effect. You don't really realize you're waking up, but if you really look at the markers, you are. You're waking up every 30 minutes to an hour. So I see that a lot. I also see my my lowest resting heart rate is later in the night, which is not good. You want it to be earlier in the night. Also heart rate variability. So that's looking at how stressed and recovered your body is. My overall HRV will be significantly lower if I drink. Even like one to two drinks, I see it take effect. So mm. I did a little experiment. I did a 30-day no alcohol challenge. I mean, I, I don't like drink that much, but I just kind of found that I was having, you know, a drink here and there, and then it was just adding up with different occasions. So I just did 30 days without any alcohol and my heart rate variability skyrocketed. I I remember you saying how amazing you felt. Yeah. I was like waking up feeling better. I was sleeping deeper. I felt like I could work out harder. Yeah. I definitely felt better. Maybe it's time to do another 30, 30 days. Yeah. It's good to clean out every now and then. Yeah. I definitely recommend that for people if they haven't done that, you know, just to do a good detox, see how you really feel. And then just being more aware. I think when you're, if if you are drinking a lot, you maybe aren't aware really how good you could feel. So it's nice to take a break. So anyways, that's what I've learned. And like, I'm just very particular on number one, what I drink. You know, my go-to is that tequila, club soda, lime juice, that's my go-to if I'm going to go out. But then I, I really try to not drink like on work nights or if I have a stressful day, I don't use it as a band-aid for the stress because I know that's only going to make it worse. So yeah, I've learned a couple tips along the way. What about you, Lauren? Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to alcohol and I, I don't really know exactly biochemically why because that allele is seems to be functioning in me, but it could be the blood sugar dysregulation or I think I get dehydrated pretty easily. So that's probably hmm. the factor. I also have an increased need for antioxidant uh, antioxidants. And I know that from my DNA fit. So I guess that doesn't really matter. I just know that I really don't feel well. One, if I drink crappy alcohol. So I never drink beer because it makes me feel awful. And I know that I can't drink most wines, especially American wines or just wines at a bar, which is why I do dry farm wines, which has been enormous for me. Like I feel great when I drink that. I really like whiskey. Like I'm not a, a clear liquor person and I actually feel okay drinking whiskey, but I know I don't have like a, a major corn or grain allergy, but at the same time, I'm very aware that I should limit that. So for me, I am looking at quality in the big picture by avoiding beer, cider, wine, or commercial wines. But um, it's mostly just like controlling volume and consumption for me. And so if I'm really hydrated, if I'm really good about drinking water, I've learned actually that drinking earlier in the night is really helpful to me because like you, my heart rate significantly elevates if I go to bed after drinking and that's what keeps me up and that affects my readiness score the next day. And I can see that, like, it just feels terrible. I can tell that my heart is just beating so much more quickly. But so if I shift the drinking earlier into the night, or if I just have like a cutoff time, I'm able to drink and still go to bed and and feel a little bit better. I also did a, every February, I do no alcohol for the month. It's like my dry month. 
and don't laugh. I know a lot of people do it in January and February is a shorter month, but it's just like (laughs) when I've done it, it's interesting. I didn't really feel drastically different. I remember you feeling like so much better. My energy, my brain function didn't really seem to be affected that much. I thought my immune system would be so much stronger. I, I, I pretty much felt the same as I normally do. But when I look back at my aura ring trends, I can see that my readiness score was way, way higher in the month of February than it has been for the entire year, which is really interesting. So the quantification was really, really awesome. So I'm taking into effect how I felt, but also quantification shows scientifically that I did have a positive effect. I mean, just day to day, the charcoal really helps for me. I mean, I've taken some of those multis. I've tried the Drink Smart and Drink Well, and I think they help. But no matter what, like if I don't control the consumption or control the hydration, nothing really seems to work. It's sort of like if you do everything right in the day, but you don't get good sleep, nothing's going to make a difference. It's the same with alcohol. Yeah. So yeah, all the same stuff that I've already said, just making sure the quality is good lots of water, hydration, electrolytes, drinking earlier in the night, dry farm wines. I will talk about that till the day that I die. I'm so happy that it (laughs) was invented. Yeah. So I would say if I had to pick one of those supplements out of that long list that I read, I would pick the charcoal. One, because I take a lot of those other vitamins in my multi. So like I take a multi twice a day and it has the B vitamins and it has some liver detoxifying supplements and antioxidants. So I'm naturally getting that with my second dose in the evening. If I had to pick a second one, it would probably be the glutathione because that's just so powerful as the master antioxidant. So if I had to take one, it would be charcoal before bed. If I were going to take two, I would do glutathione before I started drinking and then the charcoal before bed. Hmm. And then, you know, if I run into some broccoli late at night, sure, I'll eat some broccoli. (laughs) You should open a broccoli stand on the streets of New York. Just charcoal and broccoli late night. (laughs) Next to the like local pizza shop. (laughs) Yeah, right. There you go. You don't want pizza. You want broccoli and charcoal. Oh my gosh. Delicious. Gosh. Uh, at least put pe- uh, broccoli on your pizza. There you go. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Add some veggies for sure. Yeah, <laughs> You can have yeah. both. We can all yeah. win here. <laughs> so I think, I mean, we kind of like covered our hacks, but if I can just add two more specific ones, if that's okay. Kin Euphorics. This is kind of a new thing that's pretty fun. It is kind of like a cocktail replacement, but there's no alcohol. It's just using adaptogenic herbs. So those are really good for stress management. And then it has some nootropics. So it helps with brain function. It has a little bit of caffeine, which I kind of wish they had one without caffeine because I feel like it's not a great replacement for like a later night drink. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like I'm great. definitely not going to have that at nighttime. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a lot. I think maybe like 40 milligrams, but like for me, I couldn't drink that after 6 PM. It would be too much. Yeah. I have plenty um, of friends that could drink that, but yeah, not for rest. Yeah. So maybe they'll come out with a new version, but that's something like definitely look that up. If, especially if you want to do like a dry challenge, I think it's nice to have a little bit of something you can still like, I just mixed it with sparkling water and put it on ice and it was like very refreshing. So that's a really good one. And then if anyone is interested in that 30-day challenge, I did like an official online challenge and I did it through James Swanwick. I'll put the link in the show notes. I think it's just like 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. But it's nice because you get like a Facebook community. Every day you get a video of like 
you know, what alcohol is doing to your body, check out the celebrity that doesn't drink. You know, it's like every day there's a different tip, um, how to avoid alcohol when you socialize. So it just like holds you a little more accountable. So I thought That'd that be a fun. great, like back to school, fall challenge. You're like just gather a bunch of your friends, anyone that you probably are going out with the most, get everyone together. And it's yeah. good just to clean house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Doing it with your friends is always going to make it easier. Um, my husband did it with me for, I think he did like a week or two. I mean, he felt better too. So definitely check that out. All right. So let's wrap up today's episode with our Q and A. So we have two great questions. Um, to kick it off, we have a question from Brian who I have to give a shout out to cause he's an awesome biohacker babes fan. So thanks Brian for the question. Yeah. So he said, is there any type that can be consumed in moderation without throwing off your plan? So I think hopefully we kind of discussed the whole moderation thing a lot today. I think definitely follow our list of like the best alcohols to include and then some of the hacks to cover that up. But I think just finding what your moderation is, you know, we did say that for men, your moderation is going to be a little bit more than for women. So maybe that's one drink, three nights a week, you know, just again, go back to what we said about the questions, you know, what are your health goals and concerns and just really take a personal approach to figuring out what your moderation can be. Would you agree, Lauren? Yeah. I think the answer is always make it personal because what's going to work for me is not going to work for you. And my moderation is going to be, is definitely much lower than like my boyfriend's moderation or I mean, most men in general. So uh, I think just always be really honest with yourself because your your gut will tell you what's right. And then you use all the science that we've given you to back it up. Yeah, perfect. And then the other question comes from Lindsay, another awesome Biohacker Babe fan. Thank you, Lindsay. She says, are there types of alcohol better than others? Is it ever considered okay to drink? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think we answered this, but why don't we just like wrap it up again? We'll just do like a quick little review on which is the best to worst. Yeah. And Lindsay, we'll definitely put in the show notes, the bulletproof roadmap. So check that out. I think that's really a helpful graph, like infographic to look at, but again, so worst would be beer then wine, but depending on what kind of wine you're buying. And then that goes all the way up to like the clear liquors, the tequila, gin, vodka. So there's definitely a wide range. Um, I think Lindsay, you are a wine drinker, if I'm correct. So you might want to check out like dry farm wines. That's obviously our favorite. We talk about that all the time. There's also a company called Scout and Cellar, which is supposed to be pretty similar. They have the same, the same principles, maybe not as clean as dry farm wines. I have not personally tried it, but maybe check that one out. And then I guess the third option there would be Fit Vine Wine. Definitely not as clean as the other two, but they claim that it's low carb, low calorie. So it's going to be a little bit better of an option for the wine. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, number one is, is vodka. Second is gin, then tequila, which none of those are my favorite. Whiskey comes in fourth, unfortunately, but if you are looking for the cleanest, vodka, gin, tequila. Yes. And remember, what are you mixing it with? Always the yeah, key. Right. I know. I think people think, again, just to recap, like tonic, club soda, fruit juice are all um, non-offenders, but it depends how they react with the alcohol and what the sugar is doing to you. So all things considered, 
Yeah, awesome. So that wraps up today's episode. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Biohacker Babes. We really appreciate the questions and feedback you all are sending us, so please keep it up. You can email us at biohackerbabes at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at the Biohacker Babes. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.